0: This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Steve Martirano. We, we hope you're joining us, finding us as we speak with experts in the field of behavioral health where we're looking to foster diverse and meaningful conversations about substance abuse and mental health. We're going to do both of those things today with our guest, Tom Logedecker. Tom is a uh, clinical specialist at Retreat behavioral health in the Lancaster County area. And he's a, a frequent guest on the program. We're, we're always delighted to have Tom with us. Tom is here to talk to us about marijuana. Um, and nothing is more fascinating to me, having spent a lot of years now talking about substance abuse and the problems with that, that marijuana should rear its head once again in, in, uh, in a wholly new way. As most of you are aware, for the better part of a hundred years, marijuana has been a demon drug. It has been uh, characterized as one of the most dangerous substances anyone could engage with, uh, right up there with demon rum, and classified by the federal government to this day as as dangerous. Uh, as heroin, mm. uh, the pendulum on those attitudes began to swing in the other direction again. As some of you who are old enough to know will remember, during the uh, '60s and the uh, the baby boomers, who were we were all young and did exactly what we liked and, and ridiculed all that nonsense about what marijuana could do to you. To that brings us pretty much to where we are today with marijuana. And as you know, once again from reading the news. The pendulum is swinging far in the other direction for lots of good reasons. We're here to talk about those reasons as well, but also take a look at maybe some of the unintended consequences of this rush to legalize marijuana, which is now fully legal in 11 states and medically legal in 33 states. Those numbers are almost certainly going to go up. Tom uh, Lagenecker is in the trenches dealing with people who have run headlong into this changing perception uh, about marijuana and its use. And we welcome Tom to the program.
1: I get most of that right? Thank you, Steve. It's always good to be with you, and I appreciate the opportunity. It's it, We're kind of at a place now where it's really hard to have sane conversations about marijuana because it's neither the panacea that some people think nor is it fully benign as some other people think, so it's difficult to really, really have a really solid kind of sane conversation about this. So I thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, I,
0: I, it's it's been long overdue. And when I talked to some uh, people about, you know, I think it's time to start talking about marijuana again. Uh, the more thoughtful ones went, "That's a good idea. Just don't start the hysteria again about how mm-hmm. it's." Uh, and I went, "No, no, no. But we can't act like this thing is not consequential, and and that's what we're here today to to, to talk about." Uh, Marijuana is a great example of what happens when an argument gets gets too out of ra- a whack with the facts on the ground. Mm-hmm. And as I said, marijuana was always considered potentially horrible and dangerous. Now it's, for many people, considered to be a panacea for everything. The truth always lies in the middle.
1: Later. And it's one of those, for some reason, people have very strong attachments to a position at... At extremes, well, with this one, yes,
0: indeed, and it's you know it's the centerpiece of a major uh, candidate for the presidency. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he, uh, Bernie Sanders, is you know, hundred hundred days after he gets into office, he's legalizing everything. So it, we got to talk about this. It's impacting uh, a lot of people. Some of them can handle it, some cannot. So we're here to talk about the facts as we know them with regard to marijuana today. Uh, so t- Tom. Um, First of all, what are, we, what are we talking about when we talk about marijuana today?
1: Well, what we're seeing is uh, particularly as legalization has occurred across the state, nation, um, we're seeing more people, more people, and particularly older generations, gravitating to active cannabis use, ongoing and often daily use. So that's one of the things that we're seeing really just in the you know, most recent years. Um, it's you – know, as it loses stigma, as it's much more of a public uh, product, uh, it's much more available – Obviously, uh, more and more people gravitate to it who might not have or might not have done so as openly and perhaps as often as as in the past.
0: Yeah, well, there's, there was always uh, surrounding marijuana, those people who were cu- very, very curious about it but uh, reluctant to do it. Because it was illegal and mm-hmm. you had to do it in secret and well, now you don't have to. So it stands to reason there is going to be a spike mm-hmm. in those people who didn't – same with gambling. They legalized gambling. There were people who were never going to gamble not because they didn't want to gamble mm-hmm. but because it was illegal. Once and, it's not illegal, you'll gamble. Right.
1: And, and the access simply is – is right. it's there.
0: Yeah. But And then we hear a lot about the potency of this marijuana, which I've always felt to be um, an interesting um, – fact to throw out there. A, I believe it to be absolutely true. But B, I wonder what the effect of that notion is because I know people who go, it's 100 times more powerful than what I did in college. Give me some of that. <laughs> because that's sort of the nature of a you know someone who likes marijuana. They want to get as high as they can. Absolutely. What are we talking about potency? Well? well, I think back in
1: the 70s or so, uh, THC concentration was uh, 3 to 6, maybe 7% or so. Now we're seeing it 15 to 18%. Um, I'm not really always very clear in terms of all the the vagaries about that, but you also have you know all kinds of boutique, particularly like Colorado in the states where if it's legalized. There's boutique shops and boutique, very very um, stylized and very very kind of specific kind of strains that have been developed, used for different things, used for different things, or at least or at least posited that way for different effects. Um, so, um, so yeah, you've just kind of have this whole artisan, right? Uh,
0: but, but it is safe to say that overall generally speaking this is not your fathers or your grandfathers marijuana correct this is stronger stuff
1: nor is this something that would have been available across the world in across the realms of history where we where we see incidences of of cannabis or marijuana use yeah this is this is something very new so um
0: what are we seeing as a, as, a, as a result of the increased use of this in terms of uh, negative psychological or emotional okay. factors
1: well let me just back this up a little I've always said that it's virtually impossible to overdose on pot um, We have specific THC receptors there's only so many of them they can only be so saturated um, but we are seeing reports of particularly children coming into ERs um, who seem to be now that might we're working with an immature Neurological system at that chi- time with the child as well, but they're eating candies or other kinds of things that are, are um, part of the boutique. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the things we are seeing is um, uh, cannabis-driven delusion or psychosis. Um, so we will see patients come in um, from a range of simply being very detached from reality to hearing voices to full-blown catatonia where they're really – uh, simply not responding to the world around them and the world within them is is what they're responding to. And that's going to look an awful lot like various forms of schizophrenia, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. though it's not necessarily schizophrenia.
0: Do we really know that there is a, a causation there or is it just a, a, <clears throat> a correlation?
1: We know that there is a correlation with extensive pot use, cannabis use, marijuana use, and the development of schizophrenia. Now, that does not mean that that drive that, – that dictates schizophrenia. Most likely, if I have a history in my family, if I have a predisposition towards delusion or schizophrenia or mental health issues, most likely what we're seeing – and we always have to be careful about mm-hmm. making the causation – that that exacerbates it and uh, deals with bringing on the onset. We do see a correlation between people who present with cannabis-driven delusion and developing schizophrenia at a later point.
0: So underlying factors have to be taken into consideration before so you blame marijuana. We need, to, we need to take into context. What we're
1: seeing is somebody might possibly develop a cannabis-driven delusion and once they clean up and through time, we see that dissipate away. We don't see those same kinds of responses. Another person who might have a family history uh, that, that suggests that they might be predisposed to certain kinds of mental health, that might act very, very differently with that person.
0: All right, so that's at the far end of the spectrum of, of uh, potential problems: psychosis, mm-hmm. schizophrenia, and stuff like that. What, what is what is the more? Uh, what where are we in the middle of um, the the spectrum um, with regard to negative effects? Something that might be more typical for someone okay. who smokes too much.
1: Okay. Well, certainly, there's uh, even though, ironically, even though, while people often begin using because it mellows you out, okay, it lowers anxiety. One of the things we often see, though, is actually across time enhanced anxiety and enhanced depression. Um, there is a study from uh, rather Sweden because everybody in Sweden is conscripted into the military at age 18 and they do a very thorough physical exam and so they get a baseline and they've been able to track correlates again, not causation but correlates but the amount of use of cannabis, marijuana throughout adolescence to the point of age 18 and they're able to track that in terms of seeing how that – correlates it relates to mental health issues across life. Mm-hmm. And there they've seen very strong, very, very strong direct uh, relationships between spurring major depressive di- disorder, generalized anxiety, also anything in, in the access to around personality disorders mm-hmm. and schizophrenia.
0: What do we know about how important it is when someone mm-hmm. begins using marijuana? Yeah. And
1: again, one of the best longitudinal studies I'm aware of comes out of Australia. And what they were able to track there is then when people smoked – used uh, marijuana heavily through adolescence and remembering that adolescence extends to really about age 25 or so, um, when the brain is very plastic, it's very moldable, it's very impressionable, that we've seen um, – in, in that study, it suggests that we saw roughly about a 10-point IQ drop that we saw – 10 points. 10 points. And again, that, that has, has to be taken with a grain of salt. Because are we looking at a lower IQ
0: to begin with,
1: with, which actually is something we do see, or is that a a cause?
0: Um, Nevertheless, do we see anything where where, uh, IQ scores increase?
1: I'm not aware of any of those (laughs) scores. But you can recognize simply if I'm an adolescent and I'm going to school and I'm toked up – I'm probably not learning in the same way as as somebody – as I might if I'm not.
0: Well, you're a scientist, so you're you're hedging your bet. Yeah, exactly. I'm just a guy on the street. I'm telling you, (laughs) as I said to you before we went on, you're not learning algebra if you're high. You're 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 just not. Unless you're a savant and you're looking to learn algebra, you're not going to learn
1: it. So there's uh, issues with IQ. Some of the most significant issues are short-term memory loss and impulse control and particularly the inability or difficulty in – long-term gains versus immediate pleasure, immediate gratification, and, he, so, and, and a, an ability to think about what do my acts do... Cause and effect. Cause and effect. Yes. So that kind of universal reasoning. What we've seen, however, from that study also is when people begin using cannabis, even heavily, after age 25, really really post-30s, we don't see the same kind of cognitive delays and cognitive effects.
0: Tom Longenecker is our guest. He's a clinical specialist at Retreat Behavioral Health. He is, he is attached to their Synergy... Um, mental health program which is a separate branch of uh, the uh, Retreat Behavioral Health Program and uh, he will explain break that down for us a little bit in the next segment about the different tracks in the Synergy programs Uh, the one we're talking about that deals with marijuana would be the Haven track we'll find out all about that straight straight ahead we're talking about marijuana on this edition of Recovery Radio don't go away Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Steve Martirano. with you. We are we're talking about marijuana. We got to start talking about it because it's a larger and larger conversation in our culture about the legalization of it and uh, the benefits and the drawbacks. Uh, we're we're just at the dawn of trying to get our heads around all these uh, all these issues. Uh, Tom uh, Longenecker is with us. Tom's been on the program before. He's a clinical specialist at uh, Retreat, and uh, he's he's dealt with people who are uh, who are dealing with problems that may be associated with uh, marijuana use. You know, before we went to the break, Tom, you mentioned that, that, that among the areas that uh, younger smokers can uh, can suffer suffer some damage from, uh, some impairment from, is impulse control. And uh, the ability to recognize that there's a relationship between things they do and the, and the effects of them. I mean these are two areas that young people are notoriously not good at to begin with. They're developing that capacity. So are you suggesting marijuana erases that ability or slows it down?
1: I think we have to be careful about saying exactly what it does because I think if we all look back to sometime when we were in our teens, 16, 17, 18, we think, wow, I can't believe I did something so crazy because we weren't thinking about the implications or how that might play out. So that's a natural part of adolescence. Perhaps we have to be really kind of careful about this. Perhaps what's happening is that simple, that brain development, that maturation, just doesn't happen. It somehow gets stuck. And unfortunately, when the brain is developing so rapidly across those time that time period, that seems to be relatively chronic. That doesn't that doesn't change after that time. And again, remembering that study is looking and making differentiations between people who are have smoked here or there or used here or there, as opposed to those who are using a very uh, significant
0: amount of pot. Uh, let's talk with some of the, about some of the other things that uh, there is a negative connotation about. Some people uh, can smoke marijuana fairly regularly, and the cares of the world melt away. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people have a heightened sense of anxiety, mm-hmm. and in the worst cases, paranoia. Mm-hmm. Uh, how common is that? You know, paranoia end of it, and you know how do you treat someone uh, who's suffering that
1: way? Well, I think one of the things we see is a lot of times when people experience paranoia, they tend to gravitate to something else through time, unless they've been smoking or unless they've been using a good bit for a while. The only way to really deal with that is is, uh, is uh, abstinence, because for whatever reason, people people respond differently to different substances. For whatever reason, this person, person A, on the street. Seems to be able to use pot, use cannabis. They kind of go about their lives, and it doesn't seem to take take a, a drain. It doesn't seem to, for the other for other people, where they're experiencing extreme delusion or or, or extreme paranoia and increased anxiety. Really, the only way to deal with that, stop doing it. Is to stop doing that, well, you know, along with therapy. Because there's now the that might have actually at one point helped to lower my anxiety. Now I need to learn new skills right. to deal with and navigate and swim through anxiety.
0: Well, that's an interesting if you'll allow me, positive attribute of marijuana as opposed to other substances where you might not have as much control over, just don't do it. Marijuana doesn't allow you at some point. You're right. If it causes anxiety and paranoia, you'll stop doing it. Why, that's not fun. Why would you do that? Mar- you have somewhat of a better chance of doing that than you would with some other substance.
1: And yet people who have tried, one of the things they'll recognize is I didn't want to use as much as I wanted, as I ended up using I tried to stop and I couldn't. When I did, I was irritated, I was irritated agitated. I had insomnia. Um, my moods were swinging. I experienced depression. Uh, and so so it, yet that's the place where it starts to look like other substances again where I've tried. I don't want to experience this. It's negative. It's not good. And I've tried to remedy it. I've tried to simply quit and Somehow I'm I'm locked into this system, this I cycle. I can't
0: do it. Uh, I know that in every case of substance abuse treatment, the mm-hmm. first thing people in your position do uh, is take a look at anything underlying mm-hmm. that might have precipitated uh, or uh, uh, or exacerbated the, the situation with regard to substance abuse. There are a lot of co-occurring things going on in marijuana users, mm-hmm. right? Certainly, certainly.
1: And I think one of the you know oftentimes I think in the past it was talked about that marijuana is a po- uh, pathway drug, and that might have more to do with simply it was available, uh, because some people try that and they move on to other things that spark them in a different way. And other people, they've kind, of, they've found their love. This, this really, this really works. Um, I've often said that it's not so much that marijuana is a pathway drug; trauma is a pathway drug. Mm-hmm. That's the path into. Yeah. It. And you can look at the things that marijuana does. If I'm struggling with issues at home or have encountered trauma in any kind of form. Um, or uh, I'm simply wanting to f- find some way to relax. It works. It serves us. It serves. Uh, we've seen that uh, you know children, kids with ADD, um, that marijuana is a is a way to to kind of lower some of that stimulation. and Allows them to kind of broker uh, all that stimulation coming in, and it works relatively effectively for some people for a while. You know they smoke up before they go to school. They able to get through the morning. They might smoke up over lunch, get through the afternoon. What age are we talking about? I would think mostly that's uh, junior high on seven, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, wow. 17,
0: 18. And these, the, uh, these kids are self-medicating. Nobody, nobody's Certainly. prescribing this stuff. Right? Certainly.
1: And I, I I would say in my experience, and this is anecdotal, that the benefits start to taper off into the 20s. Particularly uh, – mean in terms of
0: attention uh, disorders and I, would,
1: I I think – and there might be other things that people are no longer in their – parent's house, that there's, there might be other features with that. But it seems that at that point, it's not as beneficial mm-hmm. oftentimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Do, uh, do people typically mature out of this behavior? Um, in
1: in terms of uh, what we see when there's lots of – when there's significant cannabis use through adolescence, there are certain aspects of that which are chronic. It uh, doesn't mean that people can't mature. It doesn't mean that they can't grow into relationships. One of the difficulties with prolonged marijuana use is that some people who are very functional, they're able to get through life, hold jobs, run companies. Um, There are sometimes, particularly on the other side of that, to recognize uh, there have been difficulties with relationships. There's an emotional stunting that occurs. One of the things that I've seen is uh, when uh, some patients have come in, there's such a significant level of depression. Um, it's, it's, it's double depression. That There's a, a real basement level of depression. Mm-hmm. And as they are abstinent, as they are doing treatment, that depression lifts a little bit. So they're now at simply kind of a baseline level of depression. And at that point
0: – And they don't have the marijuana anymore
1: the, to we, We've that. taken away the coping mechanism. We've right. taken away what's been able to absolve them and solve things for them. At this point, now I have more energy and I'm able to look at my life differently and that depression is is in some ways more painful, but
0: more but is more easily treated I would guess
1: well at that point we've gotten energy now, so this is actually where I've been more concerned about suicidality because if I come in and I'm at this deep deep level of depression I don't have the energy to to put that together as my awareness gets higher and I'm still very depressed that that's an area it, you know yes of course like any kind of depression it's it's treatable it's navigatable
0: I'm going to pick up on the suicidal thing this demonstrates Tom as an expert in the field it demonstrates the trickiness with uh, dealing with this and that why we think this is a conversation worth having is we rush lo- headlong into this let's legalize marijuana okay let's, let's also know what we're doing uh, when we do that this is Recovery Radio stay with us Welcome back to Recovery Ready. We're going to return to our discussion of marijuana just ahead. I want to remind you, though, that uh, Retreat Behavioral Health uh, is the underwriter of the program. They've been our partners and sponsors for many years now, and I am always grateful for that and want to remind you that they do this as an informational and educational guide. They're not here to tell you they're the only place in the world you can get help. I can tell you they're one of the best places. Um, I further can tell you that if you call them, you can get answers. And sometimes in, in situations of mental health crises or substance abuse issues, you don't know where to turn and you don't know who to trust. I'm telling you that I'll give you their phone number, Retreat Behavioral Health phone number, and uh, I hope you never use it. And so do they. They hope you mm-hmm. never need it either. But if you do, it can be the, a, a very significant difference during a bad time. So here is the uh, phone number, 24 hours a day for information, 855-859-8818. That's Retreat Behavioral Health, 855 855- 859-8810 from their uh, synergy mental health programs division Tom Longenecker joins us he's a clinical specialist joins us to talk about his work uh, treating people on a wide range of issues but we brought him in here uh, to talk about marijuana because the truth is we're seeing we're seeing something of a spike in people having trouble coming into facilities like retreat to uh, to, to try to get a handle on their marijuana use. You mentioned suicide, suicidality. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that in the context of marijuana use. Well, again,
1: um, marijuana is primarily a depressant with some hallucinogenic features. So it's, when we talk about it being a depressant, it slows the brain down. It depresses the brain. And across time, that can feed or accentuate ongoing depression itself. Uh, you know, this is going to be very contingent on other things going on in life too. Um, you know, so many people will talk about how they just become logged to their couch. It's difficult to continue on, and so what they're beca- what happens is they're becoming detached and distant from the things that really make their lives meaningful. Um, and at that point, they're, it's it's not hard for those people to recognize this has become a problem for me. This is it's getting in the way of my relationships, my marriages. It gets in the way of my ability to perform at work. Um, Sometimes those things develop later, but really what we start to see early on is I am choosing to spend time smoking up or whatever I'm doing, and I become detached from the other things that really make my life meaningful. So I detach from going to the gym. I detach from cooking. I detach – You know, it's just something – it's a creative – it's always a creative act. Uh, I might withdraw from any kind of religious or faith organization or become less – Or become more peripheral to it. So what happens is there's already a detaching and a distancing. And so again, I think we have to look at it as a whole. Uh, So there's the physiological depressing of the brain. Slowing it down. But there's this other part where. I'm becoming more gravitating towards and and building my life orbiting around these things, and I'm moving away from these
0: other things, which really made my life meaningful. Substance abuse in general is an isolating disease; it It cuts you off from life. Is marijuana more or less isolating? In Mm. some senses, I can see it being almost a little more um, isolating. In that you're you're right; you can do it in your home. You can shut the lights off, pull the blinds down. People good. drinking are going out sometimes. To drink. It's, a, it's a good question, Steve, because I think in
1: one level there's kind of a ritualistic communal part of that, which is we do this, we we get together, it's a party, and um, and so there's factions factions of that which are it's very communal, it's very about connecting. Um, as it progresses, I think, and all, and this is true with any kind of um, compulsion, it tends to isolate, and um, and. It, And anything else that intrudes is is kind of vying – there's kind of a jealousy that it vies for.
0: Would you characterize – I don't want to put words in your mouth. Would you characterize heavy marijuana use, problem marijuana Mm -hmm. use as a compulsion or an addiction?
1: Well, actually, I would would always put addiction as a form of compulsion. Okay. I I would look at compulsion as despite whatever is going on, despite the negative things going on in my life. I continue to do this. I look in the mirror in the morning and say, I'm not going to do this and I do this. I'm I'm smart enough to figure this out. It doesn't it doesn't take rocket science to figure out this is not working in my life right. and yet regardless I'm compelled to do I'm it. compelled to do it. So I would put addiction as a subset of of compulsion.
0: Well, then I guess what I mean is with regard to a um, a heroin habit or mm. even an alcohol habit there is a physical component here to uh, – certainly with regard to withdrawal. What, what, is, what do we know about marijuana in that regard?
1: Yeah, that, there's been a lot of contested uh, ideas about this. There's certainly a physical um, – kind of a psychological dependency that develops. What we also have seen though is when people are either quitting on their own or abstaining on their own or through program that we see the very similar kinds of traits of withdrawal agitation irritability depression impulsivity um, being just emotionally reactive insomnia um, and actual craving so we've so as and again I think part of this is um, you know it might take the better part of a decade maybe eight years to develop uh, a mid to late stage level of alcohol dependency okay but with with marijuana we're probably seeing something really arcing more across fifteen years or so so there's a longer and I don't want to say that as a blanket statement, but there is a longer curve before we're really seeing uh, pretty, pretty acute dependency.
0: Yeah, yeah. So in that context, when we talk about dependency and withdrawal, um, there, there's no detox involved in this. Is there the, – or, no, or we'll is, still, we We can still
1: use some, um, some meds to, to kind of lessen some of that and particularly deal with – The agitation and and the irritability and the depression.
0: What do we uh, what do we know definitively about how long Mm -hmm. marijuana stays in your body and affects it?
1: Good question. Um, Because unlike alcohol, which titrates out at a real steady state, your your body metabolizes this. Everybody's a bit different, but it's very steady. It's very predictable. Nobody really has a great handle on being able to uh, regulate or really predict how cannabis titrates out of your body because it hides in our lipids and our fat cells. And those that's a real greedy little bank. So, so that can remain there for times that – and it can be expressed in higher or lower levels apparently um, regardless. So that can perhaps maintain across a month. I mean I've had people come in. They're solely looking to become clean so they can pass urine tests to get a job. And what they're trying to do in some form is to get past a month so that they can be able to provide a clean urine. Um, This is one of the difficulties when we talk about legalization of Mm -hmm. marijuana is that people often don't recognize that legalization means regulation. And so if I'm a skiff loader – if I'm driving a skiff loader in a warehouse but my boss's insurance company does not want to cover me in the event that I have THC in my system and I can't tell you if I do or if I don't.
0: Sure. I don't want to be a a wet blanket here. But anybody who has a job Hmm. that randomly can drug test you. Cannot use marijuana. You 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 cannot use marijuana. You never know when the test is coming. So if you're driving a bus or flying an airplane or you just sorry, you've got to find something else to do,
1: right? I suspect that it's uh, like in all things, the legalization of of marijuana is not. not quite the happy horizons that everybody, that many people think it's going to look. like. Well, it's
0: like. not going to be a, a clear shot to the finish line. I mean, and that's part of the reason we want to talk about this because yeah. there, it has accelerated in a matter of a handful of years to, as we said at the beginning, the the demon weed to a panacea. Not not a, not only just a harmless inebriant, mm-hmm. but a, but an actual panacea. Um, do we know with with any uh, Certainty that marijuana—we know it has a medical. uh, Certainly, there there are
1: areas where it certainly, um, it certainly has uh, medical benefit. Why is it is
0: is is as broad as I'm reading? Arthritis uh, and uh,
1: I mean, I think we I think we can certainly say certainly with seizures, certainly with glaucoma, uh, certainly in treating uh, appetite with people with cancer. I'm sure there's some other areas. Uh, There might be some things with pain, though. Though truthfully, those studies are very contradictory at this point.
0: Also hard to, I guess, measure because pain is a subjective Exactly, thing. exactly.
1: Yeah. But like so many things, there are certain areas where it it has a proven state. So why it, it's a Schedule I drug doesn't really add up because right. it does have some benefit. Yeah. And you know, we can go back and, and look at the ways that uh, marijuana was categorized. Um, but it's most likely neither the panacea that some people hope it is, nor is it as benign as other people would yes. like to think I, it is. Yes, and
0: I think part of the the uh, cheerleading over the beneficial aspects of marijuana is just in reaction to the to the negativity and outright lies certainly that we 're told for over seventy five years certainly. in this country nevertheless it 's our job as uh, responsible people who by the way are raising children to understand what we 're talking about here and I know that we 're going to get into this a little uh, in the, probably in the final segment we, you know parents want to know how do you talk to kids about this everywhere they look. Uh, it seems to be uh, being heralded as a not only not a bad thing but a uh, good thing. Let's take a moment here now. I know this is outside your your expertise, but I, you have an opinion. The popular depiction of a marijuana user uh, for thirty or forty years now has been, you know, embodied in in Cheech and Chong. Mm-hmm. Jeff Spicoli from Fast mm-hmm. Times, um, the and then the Big Lebowski mm-hmm. uh, as well has that uh, that's not been good, has it? Well, I and I, I don't I
1: don't think it's also changed.
0: Oh no, you can't uh, make a bad uh, marijuana <laughs> smoker apparently in a, in, a, in a popular depiction.
1: Yeah, and and so I think the, you know the issue is what to what degree does art reflect reality? It would be difficult to reflect the realities that some people who have gone through cannabis dependency. And, and the real utter states of loneliness and despair that that can, yeah. that can summon, it would be difficult to paint that picture. We don't have you know a leaving Las Vegas kind of story.
0: Well, you know what's interesting, though, now that I think about this? The popular depiction in movies and, and television um, in particular about the marijuana smoker is c- comedic mm-hmm. but never heroic or mm-hmm. inspirational. So they're creating a character that they say is, let's face it, a goof – and here's why he's always smoked up, and so not taken seriously. Not too. taken seriously. He's always a clown, mm-hmm. not, and and we often lose the message in that, uh, or the underlying message in that because it's funny. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's funny to see Cheech and Chong do stupid Certainly. things. Uh, you're right. You never see anybody in, in, in uh, fighting for truth, justice uh, against the uh, forces of evil. Let's smoke a joint and then go fight the <laughs> fight somebody. So so there is a kind of uh, understanding of the kind of person who smokes too much marijuana. Not, not smokes marijuana, smokes too, too much. much marijuana. Tom Langenegger is our guest. We're talking about marijuana here on Recovery Radio. We have uh, we have more with Tom straight ahead. Don't go away. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Steve Bartirano with you, uh, along with my guest, uh, Tom Langenegger. Tom is with uh, the uh, Synergy uh mental health programs that are part of uh, retreat behavioral health programs. He is a clinical specialist and frequent contributor to the program. He's a great resource. He's here talking uh, to us about marijuana, which uh, is uh, a a growing part of everybody's life and experience in this country. Uh, We're still in the schizophrenia, speaking of sort of the political schizophrenic uh, mood, and it hasn't helped anything. You've got states legalizing this and the federal government saying, yeah, well, it's still illegal. Um, that's not the kind of message you, you, you should be get, getting from your, your, uh, your government. In the, in the final segment here, Tom, I want to get around to what, how do parents talk to kids about this anymore. But before we do that, uh, let, let's talk about the um, one of the reasons it seems to me that marijuana has uh, this – there's this headlong rush to legalize it. It's not so much the wild claims that are made by its proponents – uh, or even the the opponents who demonized it for everything, but is that it's that the war on drugs fell disproportionately in the area of marijuana users, mm-hmm. and it ruined uh, millions of lives.
1: Certainly, I, I I don't have the statistic in front of me, but I'm a I believe that there are more people incarcerated. Uh, for marijuana possession than for violent crimes in the U.S.
0: Well, that doesn't surprise me, and we all know that there is a hue and cry justifiable, it seems to me, about mass incarceration. Uh, w- you know, we have more people under lock and key in this country, I believe, than any Western uh, oh, yes. democracy in the world. And and uh, you're right; the overwhelming of the uh, overwhelming number of them are nonviolent drug offenders, and marijuana leads the league. It also falls disproportionately on racial uh, along r- racial lines,
1: certainly, and. Even our drug laws have have you know have a whole history of where race has fueled that. Marijuana marijuana was seen as the propriety of black blues uh, musicians going up and down the Delta and Latino workers in the Southwest, and so it was castigated around the, the around, around the references of race. And you can look at that also in terms of the huge disproportionate number of people arrested and dealing with criminal charges who are people of color as opposed to people who are white.
0: So one can understand the difficulty in walking that line where, where you want to alle- alleviate and perhaps even correct that miscarriage of justice without celebrating another, let's face it, another intoxicant brought into the society that can't just be thrown out there. There there are implications here that uh, we, we, we uh, should consider. Before the law of unintended consequences bites us again on the butt, are you are you worried that there's not enough attention being paid to that?
1: Well, I think one of the issues we always have is legalization often gets in the way of responding and providing care. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, the illegalization, the, right. the 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 you know on the black market, the the illegal illicit use, yes, often gets in the way of people being able to receive services, or it's kept quiet, or it's uh, simply. It, it it's a barric it's a barricade it's a barrier to really addressing and having these kind of sound sane conversations yeah.
0: should we, we should we be worried that marijuana legalization leads to other sort of organic hallucinogens or intoxicants there's a lot of them out there
1: i think you know we've already had a, a real kind of epidemic with spice and artificial kinds of cannabis and the problem with those has always been we don't really ever know what's in them. Mm-hmm. And they are often sprayed with very toxic chemicals. Yes. Um, we have tend to see roughly 20-year uh, spans of kind of, a, a, of an epidemic or a focus. And opioids have drawn all the highlight, and it's been detrimental and decimating. And again, that's actually one of those things that – heroin use and, opi- and opioid use has been around for a while. When it really hit the white suburbs is when it became a cri- yeah. seen as a crisis. Yes. So again, race yeah. raises its head there. You know, I suspect that we'll see um, a new a new arc, and that might be uh, crack and cocaine, but I also suspect that, particularly with legalization, we're just going to see an awful lot more of cannabis use, both those people who are able to maintain it and manage it in some way and those for whom it becomes a serious issue.
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh, and um, finally... Uh, it's never easy to talk to your kids about drugs, mm-hmm. uh, certainly never easy to talk to them about something that's as available as alcohol. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, don't drink. If you're driving, don't we've had those conversations. It often does no good. Now we had add to this conversation marijuana. Mm-hmm. So w- can you give any guidance to people who want to have the conversation with their kids? I think it's always just important to be truthful. And that – a lot of parents, I think,
1: are hesitant to be truthful and tell the, their children about their own experience.
0: Well, that's one of the you – know, that's one of the problems. Right, right.
1: It, whereas that, that actually simply builds credibility in terms of if this was something that I speak to you about, I would rather that you not use now or, you know, you can look at all the reports all about the, the weight that occurs in adolescence. But I just think it's really important for parents to be truthful, be willing to talk about your own experience – that does uh, that does kind of make parents look at and evaluate their own experience and what they might be doing now as well,
0: and be honest about it, about the, the risks that you took. No matter how much fun you thought you were having, yeah. you you know now through hindsight that it was dangerous.
1: Yeah. And one of the things we always look at is, particularly when something's illegal, I'm actually weighing my freedom on this. So that as that tells me an awful lot of how important this this is. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the key thim- key issues there is simply to say just to be very honest about it and to express your own whatever kind of concerns a parent might have.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, baby boomers are in a, a unique position. Of course, their children now are adults, mm-hmm. uh, but they can certainly transmit to them information about don't lie about this. Um, tell them exactly how much you did, uh, under what circumstances, the people that didn't handle it well, mm-hmm. and, uh, and maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe you'll get lucky. Uh, uh, Tom uh, Longenegger, thanks so much. Uh, I know I dragged you in here from a busy day. Appreciate Thank you, that. Steve. It's always good to see you. Thank it's you, pleasure Steve. Pleasure to see you as well. Thank you all for joining us for Recovery Radio. It's brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health. Don't forget, um, you want answers to questions. They're there, 855-859-8810. That's 855-859-8810. See you next time on Recovery Radio. Bye-bye.